Hey everybody, welcome to Decided Heart, and we are excited to have Katya Armistead here, and she's not new to Decided Heart. Um, it, actually, if you look back to our Mother's Day special, we had Katya as one of our mothers on the a panel, and it was great because if you listen to that episode or watch it on YouTube at the very end, you'll meet her son, serving her a nice refreshment at the end. Um, and we're just so, I am grateful to have Katya on board. So she actually has a professional side as well. Uh, she is the Assistant Vice Chancellor and Dean of Students for the Office of Student Life at UC Santa Barbara, which is my home base of where I started college admissions. And I just, Katya is such a dear friend, gracious, generous, my uh, oak tree <laughs> when it comes to wisdom. So Katya, you gotta help us out, <laughs> help us out today. So today's topic, we, we're listening from, you know, Hillary's um, coaching clients, my clients, the parents that we just are surrounded with, the uncertainty of fall term when it comes to college. Um, some families are still very confused about what to do in the fall term. Some are staying close to home. Some are going to pack up their bags and go. Mm -hmm. From your experience, please guide us. What have you been observing in terms of this transition pattern happening at UC Santa Barbara? Yeah, well, I have all the answers. Ha, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh my gosh. Well, the first thing I do want to say and remind everybody, as I'm interacting with students and parents every day and staff, I have nine or ten departments that report up to me so I work with a lot of managers and directors and a lot of staff members um, is that we really are in this pandemic together this is not just your family or the campus your student is about to engage with or already engages with we're all in this together so that I just like to remind people and ground them there because it's really easy to figure, to think about that you don't have it figured out, or why doesn't this campus have it figured out, or why doesn't my student have it figured out? There's no game book to this. This is all new. And I think we're all just doing the best that we can, and we're all approaching it in different ways. And so, just like your family figuring it out, the campuses are figuring it out. And I can be um, pretty sure that no campus really, really knows what they're doing. <laughs> and they're just doing the best that they can. So that's the first thing that I just want to ground everybody in. And just to think about how can I breathe into this, be flexible, be open, and be really honest with myself and with my student as you're going through this adventure of figuring out college. And, and then just the temperature in this room. So um, you all are aware that I just dropped off my oldest second year of college. So we packed her up and dropped her off. And then Hillary, where are you at? I think you're kind of in this heated yeah, room as well. Yeah, so I have, my son is flying um, with his dad on Wednesday to Colorado State uh, and they are doing a, a hybrid approach, but the freshmen, most of their classes, as many as they can be are in person. So, you know, the small classes are in the big rooms so okay. that they can social distance and then the big classes are online so he goes and they are you know doing the testing every morning and all of that so that's the freshman experience and then i also have a senior who literally just i my husband was sending me the pictures because he's at senior pictures with him right now 
And so it's also the uncertainty. I feel like I have the two uncertainty sections going on right now. The mm. first time at college and the senior, like, what the heck? Yeah. Yeah. And then Katya, like in terms of, I know that you can speak to UC Santa Barbara, um, it, you know, and then navigating, because I've been hearing story, like colleges really wanted to do in person and they prepared for that. Right. And then what I've learned is that families really need to end staff and, and I mean, the whole, you know, all of us in it together, that art of flexibility and embracing that we all have to be prepared for those changes. Yep. Are you seeing an, an upgrade or how do you call it like a um, increase in the level of services that UC Santa Barbara is offering, like to help with that transition? I'm just so curious about that on the university side. Yeah. Well, I would say that a lot of campuses um, have had plans and they may have had to make changes in those plans and be adaptable. It really depends on the state and then their county, right? And then even just the leadership of their particular campus. Mm -hmm. And so UC Santa Barbara specifically, I would say we have been more on the conservative side and not making steadfast decisions until we've gotten more guidance from Gavin Newsom, our governor in California, and then our local public health department. Uh, my county, Santa Barbara County, is one of the, on, on the watch lists. And so um, our public health is gonna be a little bit more restricted than maybe another county where they don't have as many cases. So that's something I just wanted to be clear about in terms of UCSB versus other campuses. And, I can give you an example of how two colleges in the same county have approached this. Westmont is a small private Christian college in Santa Barbara. It's a beautiful campus. Santa Barbara, UC Santa Barbara is too. So two beautiful campuses in our county. Westmont had been planning, I don't know all of their um, groundwork, or, but my understanding is they were gonna take receive students back and do as many classes in person and have res halls open and that kind of stuff in the safest way possible, right? UCSB, we have been waiting. And that has driven students, families, staff nuts. Like, give us an answer, give us an answer. And I think the difference is Westmont, they're like, okay, this is what we're gonna do. Well, the guidelines for higher ed just came out from Gavin Newsom and our public health department has then interpreted what's best for us and no in person, no enclosed classrooms now and um, no activities indoors. So we can't do the model that you just described in Colorado with just getting a bigger lecture hall and putting less people in it. We have to keep residential halls singles. Um, and so we've been able to now finally send out contracts for that. And I just talked to a student, so my favorite coffee shop in town is Dune, and I've become um, close friends with all the, those who work there. And I was just talking to a Westmont student who's a senior, and he was in, he's local, he's from Goleta, which is in Santa Barbara. And he's so sad because they just said, you know what, we can't open the res halls yet after all. So they're gonna hold off for a little while. And he's like, Katya, I don't wanna go, I don't wanna stay home, what do I do? <laughs> Um, and so they've had to completely change their plans is my whole point. Yeah. Whereas UCSB, we've been working towards it, but we haven't committed that much. So it's a little easier for us to pivot because we hadn't fully committed. Is that good or bad or better or worse? 
I don't know. It's just so. So I imagine as I do a ton of reading, which you two probably do on what's going on across the country and being on a quarter system, I think is an advantage for UC Santa Barbara because we can see what's going on at the semester schools as they are embarking on their journey. And so it'll be interesting to see just even how you, both of you, the journeys for your children are at their four-year institutions. Um, we are doing everything we can to, to get back to your question, Sonia, to um, receive our students virtually. Our Office of Student Life is working hard in creating organizational fairs virtual so people can still get involved. We have a platform called Shoreline, which is a platform that that type of engagement exists on almost every college uh, and university where you can go and see what organizations exist and how to get involved and the, look at the campus calendar and what activities you can join. Um, I, I think there's a level of that on every campus. And so we're really trying to boost that, get departments, help departments, figure out how to deliver their services online, how to create community, um, the res halls that will be open. They're creating bubbles or you hear the word pods at other institutions. So what I, I feel really good saying that just like UCSB, I think all of the institutions are doing everything they can to create community for our students, whether they're on campus or online. So when I, when I listen to you, Katya, one of the things that I think is really important, um, there's just, we've never had a time in our history where we're going on five months now of people being cooped up and everyone's sort of in a state of, of various states of either grief or mourning or confusion or whatever that is. And I always look at emotion as being information, right? Like you're, you're not, yes, you're angry. I get it. But why are you angry? What's the information? What's it telling you? And I'm seeing with the high school, especially, but, but all over people just unloading on principals, on districts, on like, it's all. So I want to take... It's really important to me um, and to Sonia, I think as well, for us to come up with some actionable things for those that are listening, for those people who are parents. And I have a couple of, I have also have some questions for students, but for parents, what is the best way for parents to actually partner mm -hmm. in this with you at the moment? What would be actionable and helpful from a from that sort of framework of being a support and a partner versus an adversary right well i think a good question to ask yourself is um pick what is your battle pick i've always sonia knows this for any new parent pick your battles decide what's the most important to you what are your values and to get back to your core values and think about that so that you know where you what you want to work on and Thinking about how, yeah, it could be hard for you or you're upset about that, but you need to open your eyes that it's like 20 times harder for someone else. Think about that service worker who doesn't have childcare, who can barely pay their rent, whose hours have been cut, who cannot do homeschooling, whose child, you know, first generation, their child, had, they didn't go through all the schooling that they want for their child. I guarantee every single person listening to this podcast has gone is has it better and more access and resources than someone else. So I really encourage people to get out of themselves for a minute and think about with all the opportunity access that you have, 
what can you do to help your student and to help the community around you to make it better? And yelling at a principal or a teacher, that's not helpful because here's the thing too, that principal, those teachers, those counselors, those educators, those staff members are going through the exact same thing you are. Those teachers are like, what do I do with my kids all day when I'm supposed to be teaching all day? Same thing with the principal. This is so hard. And I have to say, I am so incredibly fortunate. My kids are grown. My youngest graduated from college this last spring. He's home, he's a personal trainer, he gets a paycheck. Um, my oldest is a high school teacher. He doesn't have any children and he's good. I have my cousin uh, finishing her last year of community college and my nephew who lives with me. And so I'm about providing that access to those who don't always have what my children have, which is what I'm doing for my, my cousin and my nephew. And think about what you can do to make a difference in, instead of you know, taking it out on someone else. So having said all that, just getting people to think bigger and how we all are in this together. I think this is an incredible opportunity to be creative. Be pissed, be mad, be, be sad, feel the loss, and then move forward. If your child is in K through 12 or in college, you need to be thinking about how to support them and what they need more so than fighting what is happening because you're not going to win and all you're going to do is be frustrating and what are you demonstrating to your child around resilience and persistence think about wow okay my students in high school it's their senior year oh my gosh what about senior sunrise what about the prom what about all of that oh my gosh how, go go on youtube and watch all the amazing creative things people did around those milestones and events those, those are stories. I mean, there's some really incredible things. How can you help your student be resilient and think about what they can do? Um, you know, service projects to being creative in their English class. There's just so much opportunity here. So switch your thinking and go towards the creativity and opportunity because you're going to be happier and you're going to model your, to your student how to be happier when it, things are really hard. I mean, to, to me, that thinking is just so foundational. So number one is just kind of, to kind of reflect on your own core values and think greater than just yourself. Yeah. The, you know, who, everyone is suffering, having that kind of mindset and then rely on the creativity that we have. Yeah. And if we don't have it within ourselves, then we can rely on, I mean, that's the amazing yeah. technology, right? <laughs> the internet is just- You don't have to do it alone. Fine, you know, people have been creative with- their, their quarantine families that they've got, you know, so keep going with that with school, you know, and, and think about what my kid is happier when they're active. Okay, so how can we make that happen? Or they have quiet time or, you know, you need to create the space where they can study. And college students, this is super important. If the choice is to stay home, you know, figure out what that looks like. Being a full-time college student is like a full-time job. And just because they might have asynchronous courses or, you know, not as many hours in the classroom like they would if they were normal K through 12, they still have a lot of work to do. And so helping them understand that and set up that type of schedule with them. Of course, you want them to figure that out and have that conversation with them and put it on them. Honey, how are you going to make sure that, you know, every unit is about three hours of work? So how many units are you registered for? Multiply that, multiply that by three. And 
schedule that out. How are you going to step up to that, right? And it's not just the coursework. So especially if they're starting college, then there's this piece of the socialization and getting involved. And so what is the platform to learn about all of that at your particular institution? Have you started exploring that platform? What clubs, what organizations? You know, learn as much as you can about your institution and what there is for you. That's part of the job of being a college student. Wow. I think too, in that conversation, it's maybe they don't need our help at all. It's just, it helps us understand what our boundaries are. Like when, oh, so don't ask you to do these chores yeah. anymore, or, you know, I leave you alone for these hours. And I think that's really important in terms of establishing those boundaries within that home um, and knowing where our place is as parents. Well, and that's, thank you, Sonia, for saying that, because, you know, I'm sharing this information so you understand that I'm positive every campus has these platforms, these opportunities to get involved. And if, even if it's just you mirroring that, like, well, what is your platform called to get involved? Or how do you find out about the tutoring services? You don't go look it up yourself. You push it back on them if they are not doing it. You, you will be surprised too on, they may know may, way more than you think they do. You're just so caught up on it and worried about it. And so don't answer their questions, just mirror the question back to them and get them to go find out. Uh, yeah, I want to just do it. I've been, I, it's funny. I wish you could see the notes I'm writing because I'm like, ooh, good. Oh, that's so good. And a couple of the thoughts that I'm having really, what I hear you saying is as parents, we need to be empowering versus enabling. Yes. And if we are enabling, then we automatically, our behavior can mimic or look victim-based and show them how to become victims in their life versus being the heroes of their life. And it's important for us to understand that when we're enabling, it feels good to us because we get to be the hero of this story, but that's not fair to them. The goal is to get them to feel good about what they've accomplished and what they've done. And so as both of you are saying, mirroring the questions back, wow, that, that's a great question. How can you find the answer out to that? Or giving the suggestion and saying, you know, if, you, if you'd like me to walk alongside you and, and, and listen or, or help you with it, I'm here. Yeah. But it's incumbent on them rather than sit down right now. Let's make sure we do this. And I want to see what this, you know, I had the conversation with my son, um, my oldest, who's going off. And I don't know right or wrong, but he is someone who he, he has been diagnosed with ADHD and he took himself off medication in seventh grade. And I said, so what are you most nervous about? He said, well, it's going to take me a little bit to get my strategies down in a new environment. And I said, would it be helpful to check in once a week and just know that you have an accountability partner and can just let us know, not that we're going to tell you what to do, but just say, this is how the week went. So you can talk it through. And he's like, yeah, at first, I don't want to do it all like for a long time. But he said, just while I, it might be a good idea because you know my background just to work it through until I have my routine down. And I said, well, we're here, but it'll be on you to reach out to us. Ooh, I love that. It's so perfect. Because we're not saying abandon them. No. We're, we're just trying to give them the skill to take care of themselves. Well, right? and because I think, Katya, I was just telling this to someone this morning. I think, I love what you just said. We're not abandoning we're giving them the skills to take care of themselves because I think when we jump in and we're all twittery, that's a word, <laughs> when we're all twittery about it and we're freaking out, 
what are you communicating in that moment? You're communicating to your child that you don't trust them and that you aren't confident in their abilities and they take that on. Yeah. And here's the thing. They are, this is new to them, right? And they don't know any different. So it's not helpful too if we're like, oh, I want you to have the same experience. I had college was my best years, you know, and all of that. And if you really think about it, that first year probably was really hard. <laughs> but we forget that remembering the last year, right? And so setting up those expectations that it's supposed to be the best time of their life. And then you're like, but now it won't be because of COVID or the situation or, you know, like don't create it for them. It's going to be what it is. And you're there to just, you know, what I loved Hillary too, in terms of being that accountability person, if, if that feels good for him, the, the really good thing, especially since there is something to be watchful for is you know him best and you could hear it in his voice. If you can tell that he's sliding in some way, like something's not going well. And you can say, Hey, this is what I'm hearing. And then what you can do is remind him of what works well for him. You know, when I've heard this in your voice before, I always remember you went for a bike ride and you felt better or, you know, whatever it is, this, it's a great opportunity just to remind them of what their coping skills are and, and what works best for them and waiting until they're hearing that from them. Um, that's something else I think that's helpful for parents to think about is, is cause you know them best look for signs of how they're doing. Um, and it's not about reminding them and reminding them and reminding them, but just try to get to a point where they feel comfortable sharing with you, even if they're having trouble and you just like, okay, yeah. Oh, I, I think it's helpful. Like, Oh, I remember how hard that is. You got this, but I remember that too. I don't want to paint it as in every, they're all going to be fine and you just throw them out. Um, I just want to make sure that we don't try to save them or create expectations of what it should be like for them. You need to let them have that experience and not inf influence or um, get in the way of their experience. It kind of reminds me, Hillary just did a post yesterday or, or today um, addressing the parents saying we I can do hard things. Yes. So why are why are we not why we need to be teaching that to our children? Like you can do hard things. And the other favorite term in terms of all this behavior is de detach compassion. That I love you so much. I know I will be there for you, but I know you can do this hard thing. And you're gonna be uncomfortable. And that's part of it because I think Kachi, you've probably been seeing this as well, this increase um phenomenon of our young people, our college students having a hard time dealing with the conflict, confrontation, being uncomfortable and familiar. We need to, they don't have necessarily those tools yet. Because I think as a society, we're holding on too tight in terms mm -hmm. of that protection. So I think that's, you know, like something I'd love for our parents to really reflect on is, am I, does my child feel that I know that he or she can do hard things at home? Yep. Glennon Doyle, Untamed. Yeah. <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. And and I do think that it is really important. I mean, this is so obvious, but I swear every parent I talk to, every kid I talk to, every even myself, when sometimes we look at failure or discomfort as some bad thing instead of embracing it and being like, Oh, that's so awesome. Opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right? 
we have to like, that is the only way we learn really some of the bigger lessons. And so when we try to steal those moments from our children, um, it's really stunting their growth and their exceptionalism because the only way you get really good is to try lots of things and it doesn't always work out. Yep. Yep. And I think what could be challenging for those families where the student stays home is figuring out those boundaries and how do you let go when they're under the roof? I was on our, our uh, orientation sessions just ended and I would attend the parent social orientation part and that was in the evening and it was their chance to to casually ask questions and you know check in and I remember one mom and I felt for her so much because I so got it she's like but I was looking forward to her going away and not thinking about what time she was coming home or what she was doing all the time is she safe how am I supposed to let go of that when she's under the roof and she so doesn't want to be under my roof but financially and because I am nervous about COVID, it's just not going to happen. She is going to stay home. That's the million dollar question, right? Because I even, what's the answer, Katya? <laughs> well, I will say even when you do, like you two, your child goes away, this COVID thing must still hang over your head a little bit. Are they going to make good choices? What did I say? I said, and, and this is the most important thing, is communication. And it's not about you thinking, okay, this is how it has to go. It's having the conversation with the student. Like, what do we need to do as a family to set up your success for both of us? From me not being that naggy person, you doing what you need to do and allowing for some failure. You know, we don't, nobody saw when I failed the class in college, my mother wasn't there. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if I told her I failed the class, right? Um, but what have I kept that hidden if I lived under the same roof of her, you know, so you got to figure out how to negotiate that. And so, and at the same time, if they're under your roof, yeah, it might be reasonable to have a curfew. I, I know, um, the first few years of college for both my kids, when they came home, I couldn't sleep when they were still out. Mm -hmm. And I, and I tell myself, no, they're college students. But no, I think it's fair for me to be like, but I can't go to sleep until I know you're home safe. I think that's fair as a parent. Yep. And so negotiating that with your student to figure out what's going to work. Um, and again, I go back to my pick my battles. What's, what can I let go of and realize they need that freedom? They really do. And, but this is my hard line. This is what I need for us to exist under the same roof. And it's so timely because uh, just yesterday I asked permission if I could, I did a, a podcast with Bella, my oldest, through her senior year. And then she, with COVID happened, first year happened. So I interviewed her and really, what's really interesting, I asked her what, what guidance can give to parents letting go of their young adult. It's so interesting in terms of her own wisdom. I mean, we need to listen more to our young adults. They have a, they know stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but so Lots of tips being shared. Are there any other tips for the parents that we didn't cover that's, that you wanted to share? I was, um, was going to say, do you want me to, I, I wrote down, you actually have had five very clear tips awesome. so far. Can I just reiterate them and then that might help? 
I think I've, I have them written down, so I was trying to, in my answers, insert them. Oh, so perfect. See Maybe you want to do it then. No, I want to see if they match. Oh, cool, cool. Uh, I was going to say, so what I have five tips that I, that what I heard was, number one, use your core values to help to establish boundaries. Yes. So the second one is model the behavior that you're looking for and for and the attitude that you want in your child and, and surrounded, right? You need to model that. Three was be a partner not only to your students, but with the educational facility and your community and beyond. Four was making sure that you reframe things. It's not failure and it's not discomfort. If you go down that route, then you're really bringing about victimhood and instead encouraging the positive resilience and pers perseverance, which is going to help in the hero attitude versus that. And so that's sort of the, the enabling versus empowering. And the last one that I really heard from you is this isn't about you. <laughs> Let them have their own experience and stop making it about you. Those were the five tips that I really picked up on. What did I miss? That's perfect. No, um, I, I think you've said things so much clearer than I had written down, which is awesome. Um, because my other ones were just really practical about uh, don't answer their questions encourage them to go get the answers, right? Um, and I think something super practical, which I kind of said, but uh, is to create the space in the home where it's like, this is where you're going to school if they're staying home. Yes, that goes back to our podcast from last week, right, Sonia? Yes. Yep. That's what our, our podcast guest from last week said 80% of issues with behavior, distraction, blah, 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 can all come down to the environment around you. Yeah. And not everybody has that opportunity I know. for access. You know, um, what I saw a lot of, especially my first generation college students, a lot of my interns or students that I work closely with, they went home like everybody did. Like one of my interns, my Friedman intern, and he shared the bedroom with another a younger sibling. And he's like, it's really hard to find space to study. I had a student who's local email me and say, Katya, is there, can I just go on, on campus and study? Because, you know, my household's so full. I can't figure it out. I had to figure that out. I finally, this is virtual, my office. You can see how eclectic it is. This is my office in the student resource building. But it's just a picture because I am in my bedroom right now. And what I did is I have a card table that I put a tablecloth on and set my office up. So when I come and sit down in here, I'm at work. I also go on my back deck a lot and get some sun when it's too hot right now. Um, but I didn't do this for like the first three or four weeks. And I was on the couch. I was at the dining room table. I was all over the place. And I was a freaking mess, which I think you know, give our, all ourselves permission to be a mess for a little while. So I also don't want to say, oh, you're perfect. You got this. Your students are fine. I do want to acknowledge this is super hard. So my first three or four weeks, I was all over the place. And finally, I was like, okay, Katya, get your act together. You know what you would tell a student to do. You need to go do this. And so now I've created my space. And it's so like, I leave the house in the morning, go for a walk, or I go do my outside exercise. And come home, take my shower, and then I sit at my desk. And it is, it's a really good way for me to set up my mind where I'm at work. And your students, any kind of uh, routine, um, thinking about the schedule, 
At UCSB, we have a department called CLAS, Campus Learning Assistance Services. Guarantee every campus has something like this. They just call it different. And they have a workshop for time management and setting up your schedule. And those, I bet those workshops are gonna be full. They'll probably offer many just to help students get their, wrap their head around whether it's in their res hall, in their apartment, because they go get an apartment. We have a neighboring community, Isla Vista, a lot of students live there, or if they're staying at home, how to set that space up for success. So I guess this is a great transition, Hillary, in terms of the challenge. So, so many amazing tips um, that we can just return home and start implementing. And but what would you think is a challenge for our listeners and viewers to think about and post on both our Facebook page and then also our Instagram? Yeah. So I wanted to make sure it was something that you do, whether your student stays at home or, home or goes away, right? And, um, and I think this could work even for seniors, juniors and seniors in high school, because probably many of them are going to be at home doing those years. And that's, as you two probably recall, those were the beginning of them separating, right? They're starting to stay out later. They might be driving. They're with their friends. They're not telling you anything anymore. So those are really pivotal years that are setting you up for them to go away, right? So um, mine is all, my challenge for you all is around communication. I want you to figure out a time where you're going to sit down with your student and talk about where you both are, what kind of support each other need, you, you each need for this transition, like maybe how often you communicate. Is it, is it helpful that I ask you how school is going or not? What do you need from me? What kind of support? Um, you think deep about really what's most important to you. Like if it's that curfew, you know, don't come up with 20 things that you say they can't do because that's going to backfire. Um, this, this conversation, so it's, it's setting up a conversation. This conversation should be that shift from them being the grade student, the grade, the, the school age student in your household where it's all your rules to they are now a young adult. They have to make some of their own decisions. I would like to say all of their own decisions, but I want you to negotiate that. So it's the, the conversation and the time to negotiate what the year is going to look like and what you expect of each other and, and set it up so the student can say what I need from you is. I got it. I'm writing notes right now because I'll put that out tomorrow for all of us. So what I hear is <laughs> our challenge is, is A, make an appointment to have a conversation with your college age student about what this year in COVID, a COVID conversation, COVID a COVID conversation. college conversation that sets clear boundaries, sets clear expectations, and provides an opportunity for everyone to be heard and respected. Ooh. See, I knew you'd put it in really. I rely on Hillary for that. <laughs> <laughs> Thoughts? I just don't know how to articulate it. That's no, you do. It's beautiful. I mean, this is all you, you guys. I mean, you're so well thought out and I appreciate so much what you give. I, I know our kids are all in good hands um, with you being there at UCSB and, and not just in charge of, of you know, the, the assistant, you know, you have a wonderful title, the 
vice, what is it? The vice, assistant vice chancellor, vice assistant vice chancellor. Yeah. But then on top of that, it's like the student life, like that's yeah. so important. That is so important because it is, this isn't just about the academia. It's mm -hmm. beyond that. It's how they transition into adulthood. And, and um, I appreciate you so much for taking care of our young people. Well, you know, it's the, the students that give me life. Like I enjoy the staff and working with them and managers and directors and I really see myself as um, someone that these managers and directors can bounce ideas off, ask my opinion, and then I put it back on them. Um, but the students give me life. You know, I felt so fortunate yesterday. I had an appointment with a student who just wanted to chat and share what she'd been learning in summer school and talk about what fall quarter could look like. And I kept waiting for an ask. I wondered, and she's like, no, I just really enjoyed talking to you and wanted to have that connection. So I love that. That's, what, that's who you are. I think from many, I think it's decades now, Katya, that I've known you and have these memories with you. I remember you said students are the bloodline of a university. But um, I, what I want, I just want to say thank you again because your time is so much in demand and yet you spent some time with us and our viewers and listeners. But you, as a colleague, as an employee of you, as a friend, um, you, I just appreciate, again, being gracious with your time and being open-minded. And that's people come to you for not a reciprocal exchange. They come to you to simply be. I mean, to have that trust and you have been so consistent in it. I mean, it's just that that's who Katya is. I just, again, like, I appreciate your friendship of all these years and then just being available to us. So thank you.